Someone's like, oh, I love that line where you said, oh, when you said, I'm winning because my weight's too thin. <sighs> Bro, it made me think about how, like, sometimes we put too much weight on ourselves, but we went and it's like, fam, that's not what that's I said. That's not what I meant. But what I did say had meaning. Yeah. So it drives me a little crazy. Just like, I work so hard on the perfect word, and it's right. like, what am I doing? Why am I working so hard? It don't matter. By God's grace, I dropped my seventh album in 2022, and I decided to call it the end. It's a project I am very proud of. So I wanted to make this podcast to drive home, you know, the heart behind everything that I wrote. This is the End Those Podcast. Chapter one, Today's Game. With the theme of the album being the end, um, and... You know, so much of it being about things coming to an end, but that not being necessarily bad. There, there are lots of endpoints. You know, the obviously the ultimate picture for of that for us as believers is that when we begin to follow Jesus, there's a very real way that we die to our former self, right? And we're resurrected, right? We have new life, and so I'm like, I, I wanna, I want there to be a song like that, but also the like the end of my own desires, what it means for me to embrace that, oh, what my life did look like is not what my life is about to look like moving mm. forward. I mean, I think of Paul, he's talking to the um, Ephesian elders and Acts, I want to say it's 2024, 20, and um, he I says, yeah, he yeah. says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Mm. Where it's like, oh, no, no, I, I make a completely different valuation of what my life is now. Right. So, something different has occurred to where um, I evaluate things in a whole different way. Right. It's like the end of one way of thinking, the new, you know, um, uh, the old has passed away, the new has come. Right. So much like language like that in scripture. And so mm. I just wanted to represent that in the song. Uh, I wrote the hook on this one first um, because I, the passage I was specifically thinking about um, was Jesus saying, um, I just want to say the word right. Um, you know, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Mm. These paradoxes. But I also wanted to represent how what we're giving up is not for nothing. Right. You know, like we were talking before, we're trading in something worse for something better. Yeah, yeah. You know? So the hook um, says, I uh, gave it up to get it back. I gave my life up to receive it back. Open my hands, it's yours. I laid it down. You lift that. So we declare you, Lord. Lost it to find it. I gave it to gain it. I gave it up to get it back. Mm. Um, because I want us to you know, rejoice in the fact that even as we lay our life down, even as things are hard, even as we're giving stuff up, what Jesus has given back to us is, um, yeah, it's more valuable. Yeah. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, it feels like a like seed. Like Richard, man, if you go to his crib, so he's like planted, I would say a garden, but it yeah. feels too small. It yeah. feels more like an orchard. So I walk through his backyard. That's a grand word, orchard. Well, I've never I, even been to an orchard. I walk through his backyard and there's like trees yeah. and there's a pathway that you got to walk through to get a sh to a shed. Now, is it really this grand or is it because we don't like outside? 
Did it seem? I don't know. It feels grand to, to me. It's like, oh, this is amazing. There's a couple places like, man, look at all this greenery. It's right. a greenhouse. No, okay. But he pulls this peach, yeah, off of the joint and says, "Yo, it's right. Take that home. Peach is amazing." But the thing with that is like, oh no, no, no. no. But that started off as a yeah seed or a little peach pit, yeah, that was put into the ground. Right, somebody yeah. had to forfeit it. But as Rich put that into the ground, he he's not like, yo, I had three peach pits and now I only have two. Yeah. It's a no, no, no. I put this into the ground because I know that, you know, the end of this seed is actually the beginning of this tree and mm. this like fruit. Yeah. It's an investment. And I just think when it comes to giving up of our lives, we don't see it as an yes. investment. That's we right. see it as like yeah. a loss. I'm yeah. Ah man, I had three ambitions and now one of them got put in the ground and now I only have two left and we we don't see this the yeah. seed to begin that orchard. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, it's, yeah, it's one of those paradoxes we see all the way, all the way, you know, to live is Christ, to die is gain. That's right. a weird sentence. Right, to right. die is gain. Right. And if people who don't understand what the cross of Jesus is, it seems very strange that we would yeah, center so much of our worship around the bloody murder of mm. Jesus. Yeah. Um, and I think um, if we understood that what God accomplished, what the Son of God accomplished by laying his life down, it's the way that he conquered. And I think when we see that our Savior conquered by dying, right. our Savior conquered by laying his life down, right. and he's only calling us to follow him into that. Yeah. Um, to give us new life is just yeah changes yeah yeah what we're thinking of when we when we go after him yeah so in the song I'm like trying to give a picture of stuff I'm you know giving up how they got me out here trying to play the game of courting pain and chasing after Novocaine uh, I wanted freedom they just sold us golden chains was drowning now my focus floating bro I overcame I see all these pictures of what the world is painting to me as you know what we should be chasing after and um. Was sold on it, you right. know, but the Lord has called me to something um, completely different. So I said, uh, scared to let go. What felt safe was really danger. I made a mess, though, then went up levels by forsaking everything in my past. All that graveyard chasing, bro, I'm thinking I'll pass. Now my grave's all vacant, bro, even though I passed. The way I died to death, now living life, denied myself to visit life. So it's like... I am going into a grave deliberately right? in order to be raised. It's yeah. like the path to life is through death. And that's just a strange paradox. Like when you're talking to people about following God, even like people you're pastoring, just people in community, right. is that a hard concept to help people grab a hold of? Like that the path to life is through death. Yeah. Nobody... Nobody wants that, right? Or it's yeah. like even the like concept of fear, right? You think most people are all of us are scared of I I think two things. We're scared of things that might happen, mm -hmm. and we're scared of things that must happen. Yeah. So we're scared of things that might happen. We're scared of things that may not take place, but we yeah. are fearful of them, right? Yeah. I'm scared. You know, we get scared that we might die in a plane crash. People that fear f flying. Yeah. And that's real fear. 
But then people are also scared of things that must happen. I'm scared that one day I'm going to die and leave folks behind. Yeah. And so when you take that thing that must happen, right, and now you tell people or you try to tell people, ah, but that's actually why Jesus came, yeah. right? Yeah. Not just to die, but to raise from the dead. And like uh, Hebrews 2 said, to deliver those who spent their lives fearing death, yeah, right? That it's like, that's why he came. One, yeah. I think it gives new life to what we mean when we talk about the power of the resurrection. Yeah. But two, you really start to see how hard it is to change that inside. for, And you start to see, oh, no, no, this is really a work of the Holy Spirit yeah. because trying to convince people not to be scared of the thing in their life that must happen, that is terrifying whenever you see it, is it's not just accomplished by hard work. Like, yeah. it's a miracle yeah. to change people's perspective on that. Yeah, that's good. And that God deliberately does things in ways that don't seem like the right way to do right. it. As a way to glorify himself. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, I'm going to bring life through death. Right. I'm going to, you know, use the weak things of the world. You know what I'm saying? The same the strong, the foolish things to shame the wise. God becoming a man. Right. Yeah. The almighty one becoming weak. Right. Um, in order to save us. I mean, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. Not only is it true, it is compelling. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's just amazing that God saves in this way. Chapter two, lost it to find it. I wanted to talk a little bit about just your conversion story. Um, you know, I'll give, I'm going to give my quick, how I got saved version. And I want you to give you a quick, when I say quick, I mean, it gotta be like 30 seconds. Got it. Your story is way more interesting than mine. Right, got it, got it, got it. <laughs> now, but you know, I grew up here in Dallas, um, Dallas super churchy, um, went to church with my family, you know, when I was a kid, repeated a prayer after children's pastor when I was a little kid, assumed I was a Christian, but I didn't understand the gospel at all. Didn't love Jesus, loved my sin. 14 years old, around that time, I started going to youth church for social reasons. I was trying to highlight girls. That is why I went. And the Lord had better things in mind. I kept going. I had a dope youth pastor and he would open the Bible, preach the gospel every week. And all the stuff that I, you know, like I repeated a prayer, but all the stuff I didn't understand about my sin, God's holiness, what it meant for Jesus to really lay his life down, that stuff clicked. Um, yeah, during my time there and I started to follow after Jesus. Yeah. yeah. I grew up in a very Christian home. So my parents were Nigerian and Christian, right? So they were like Christian, Christian. And uh, same thing. I grew up in church. I repeated, yeah, prayer when I was a kid. And part of it, I, I think, took or uh, enough of it to make me dread going to sleep after I sinned yeah. because I felt like, oh, I got to confess all my sins. Yeah. And I'll, yeah, uh, <laughs> end up in hell, right? Yeah. So I just had to sensitive conscience. And as a result, I spent my life uh, pursuing yeah, basketball and yeah, girls, same thing. Uh, the summer after I graduate high school, we're in Nigeria. And long story, very, very short, we get robbed at gunpoint on a dirt road 20 years ago this summer. And being there was when 
I realized I was sobered up and realized I do not know God like I think that I do. And everything that I spent my life on was powerless to save me. And so it was there that I cried out, like, Lord, save me. And I'll spend the rest of my life trying to make you known. And then throughout the course of the next few months, the Lord introduced me to people and friends, people that loved him. And I felt like that was the point that I really grasped a hold of my faith 20 years ago. Yeah, that's good. So one day for you, you don't have to get a quick version because yours is the one we really want to hear. Right. So like, tell me first, like, just about, yeah, what faith was like in, in your family growing up. Yeah. yeah, the first kind of things you thought about faith of God as a little kid. So it's actually interesting because in terms of like my faith story, ironically, Trip, you actually play a role in it. You didn't even know God used you casually, like in, yeah. the, in the behind the scenes. But yeah. um, growing up, so I came from like a split family. So everybody, 90% is Muslim, but my mom, she is a Christian. Um, and so with that situation growing up, I was actually still allowed to go to church with my mom. I found out later in life, my dad was like, oh yeah, I just wanted you to have like good morals and you know, be a good person, but I didn't want you to actually get saved. <laughs> and so um, the story too of how like my mom is the like odd one out who saved amongst the family too was because she grew up in a village and in the village that they grew up in, um, their only school in that area that was like reasonable was a Christian boarding school. And so they were like, I mean, I guess I got to send you to the Christian school. And so the same situation with there, they were like, oh, we just sent you there to get an education. We didn't want you to actually get saved. Wow. And so, yeah, so she actually got saved. Um, one of the things that my mom learned as an adult later on in life was like the importance of community. So because she was kind of like the only Christian in her family, they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, marry a Muslim person, though, you know. And so when you don't really have community, you might be like, oh, yeah, I guess that's fine. Like, he's a nice person, but doesn't love Jesus. But she realized later in life, like, oh, I probably should have married a Christian, you know, but it's all good, you know, growth. Um, So fast forward to me. That's me growing up as a child, going to church with my mom, but then coming home and my dad, you know, doing his thing. And so, yeah, over time, I think kind of like similar to you, how you're like, oh, you're at church. Like it didn't really like permeate my heart, but over time, I think at one point, like as a teenager, seventh grade, I actually started to realize like, well, you know what? Like, like I think I wanna wanna do this. And like God started working on my heart a little bit. So it started off with music. So I was like, I started feeling conviction for the first time. So I was like, let me just start seeing if there's some different changes I can make to the music I'm listening to. So I looked up on YouTube, like Christian rap to see if it existed and it mm -hmm. did. And so I found videos like yours trip I found videos like Lecrae and stuff like that. Wow. And um, there's different people at the time. Um, and this is well, like- And what made you think Christian rap? Like right. what made you- Yeah, I just- That's a lot of people's first step in exploring <laughs> Christianity. Yeah, so I just really love rap music. I do. Like it's my thing, man. And yeah. it was just like, this stuff is ratchet and the Lord was convicting me, bro. Yeah. And so <laughs> yeah, I looked at cool versions and I was like, maybe there's a Christian, Christian version. So Christian yeah. rap, and yeah. So then- yeah, I found y'all's videos and then it was crazy because it aligned around the same time period um, that upcoming summer, there's a, a Christian camp that my church goes to called Discovery Camp. And so it's in Columbus, Texas and all of 116 was actually performing at that camp. Mm. And so I was like, oh, the stuff I just discovered, I just became like a fan and supporter and like it was really starting to affect my life. I was like, I had to pull up. I had to see this in real life. Yeah. So I convinced my uh, church to like let us go because the teenagers were actually going at a different time period, like maybe like a week after. 
but the camp like the week that y'all were performing was the specific week and so then I was like hey like can we go to this specific week and they're like why are you so adamant about going on this particular week and then um I was like well they have an internship program <laughs> it'd be really good <laughs> and so somehow I convinced them to let me do it because of the internship program so someone ended up driving me and my friend to be interns that's also how I convinced my father because he was not about it but I was like, oh, internship program. You know, he's Nigerian. He said, oh, internship program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I was an intern at that camp. So what happened instead of being a camper, you're serving. So I was serving um, during that week. But yeah, it was crazy because that's where I got saved. Like I actually understood the gospel for like, for real, for real. Like maybe like day three is a week long situation. Um, and yeah, I think it's because for me, I always felt like you had to have a radical story. Like, you know, I was in these streets. And, you know, the Lord just came and changed my life. But yeah. for me, I was like, ah, you know, I'm Nigerian. I'm kind of a good kid. I, I follow the rules. Right. So, but I think for me, I realized like, yeah, it's like not even about being a good person because your works will not save you. Like you can be nice all you want and you can yeah. still not enter eternity with heaven. And, and so uh, for me, like it was realizing like it was a savior. Like we all are sinners and like we all desperately need a savior. And just even things that came after like the fruits of the spirit, like finally experiencing joy and, and peace and different things like that. And so um, that's the true conversion that I experienced. And so it was really beautiful. And then y'all came the day after I ended up getting saved. And so that was wow. even dope too, like seeing all of y'all do your stuff and like, yeah, it was really inspirational. And so he used y'all's music to make me want to be like, I have to go to this camp. And then yeah. whenever I got to that camp, I was like, Oh, surprise. You gonna really know Jesus though. That's and, crazy. Um, like, where did you think you was at in your faith journey when you went to the camp? Like, were you thinking you were a Christian already? I think so. I was thinking like, oh, yeah, yeah, I love God. But I wasn't, I wasn't for real saved. I think I was still like, if anything, probably baby Christian. But I don't think I was saved, saved. It was just yeah. more of like a church kid at that point. Like, yeah. I loved God, but my lifestyle was not like, if I was comfortable, like if I needed to cheat, like in school or something like that, it was like, oh yeah, yeah, you do what you gotta do to pass the class. Yeah. And so like, yeah. And then I was just influenced by other people. So whatever culture said, like that was, my Bible was culture basically. Yeah. Like that was how it was in my life. But yeah. after that, like that's when I truly felt like conviction from the Holy Spirit. That's when I truly felt like, no, what I have, other mm -hmm. people have to know about this. And that's mm -hmm. when I truly felt led to like, even just share the gospel with other people. So. There was a complete life shift after that. After that, like I had no comfort not telling people about right. who God mm. was and what He had done. Talk about that. The not have you didn't have comfort not telling people. What did that look like? Yeah. And yeah, so, uh, how old yeah. were you then? Yeah. So this is teenager. So this is the summer after seventh grade going to eighth grade. So probably like thirteen, wow. fresh teenager, 13, yeah. 14. -ish. Thirteen. Yeah. And so. Yeah, I was like super lit. Like I was like, oh, I got to tell you about Jesus. So and actually, that's when I first got met with hardship. So the first person I wanted to tell was my dad. Cause I'm like, oh, like I just experienced this new life. So I get home and I'm like, dad, you gotta know about Jesus. This is crazy. Like he's doing all this, this and this. And like, Jesus can do all this for you. And then I even saw someone get healed. Like uh, they had go-karts and one of my friends, we, we accidentally crashed into him and he broke his leg. And then I saw this man get healed, bro. Like it was That'll crazy. That'll do it. That'll give you some passion. <laughs> yeah and so like seeing stuff like that i'm like yo like you have to know about jesus like this is this is different and then he was just like stop talking about this i don't ever want to hear about this again jesus is not real you're being brainwashed this is like all lies and so it was kind of crushing for me like as a kid like your you know your figure your father figure like being yeah. like oh like everything you're 
hearing is a lie. And even after that, actually, things kind of got worse for me. Ironically, people think you could say life's beautiful. Things got worse. Because mm-hmm. then after that, he was like, I want you going to church no more. Mm-hmm. He was like, I don't, I don't want to hear about this Jesus thing. Like, just shut that down. And so it turned into like maybe like a six month period where I just couldn't go to church, period. So mm-hmm. I had to just like read the Bible for myself. That's also why music is really important to me because then it was like, well, I guess that's all I have. So I just have my headphones where I can like listen to Christian music and read my Bibles in the mornings before everybody else woke up. And then so you after trying that, to read your Bible in a way where nobody knew you was reading. You was yeah. like undercover trying to like yeah, it was just like under the covers in my room. <laughs> yeah, so right. it was definitely an interesting um, period where I really had to just pursue faith for myself, honestly. And so I learned how to. Yeah, I like it wasn't like my father's religion or I'm going to church because my parents. It was like I really treasure any moment I can. That's why I really love social media. I think that's also what built that inside of me too, because it was like, okay, well, maybe I can use my laptop and I can watch sermons that way. And so yeah, different things like that. Mm, that's good. And so I mean, so you said it was a six-month period where you, you know, were reading your Bible by yourself, you know, Christian me. What what happened after that? Did you eventually uh, you were able yeah. to, to church again? So after that, my mom was like really supportive. So, you know, she was willing to like, you know, go to bat for me. So she like was um, basically, I guess they worked it out too with them. So she was like, well, she pulled up to church. So I'm gonna bring her. So what would happen is my mom was a nurse. So every other week she worked. So on the weekends that she didn't work, she would bring me to church with her. And on the weeks that she did work, uh, I would go to work with her. And so nurses go like six to six or seven to seven. So I would go to work with her like 6 a.m. to the hospital and then my uncle would pick me up from the hospital and then take me to church we're and smuggling so, you to church that's right that's <laughs> and, and again how old were you at this point i'll be like that's like 14 15 now yeah so people would probably hear that and be like what would make a 14 15 year old like do so much to try to do something that seems so un 14 15 year old like it's not the thing that 14 15 year olds want to do that fun did it did it ever enter? Did it ever? Did the thought of it enter your mind? It would be easier if I just let this go. Let, let's just go back to how things were, and I'll just do that. Did that thought ever enter your mind? You know, I think just because of how authentic and how real Jesus was to me, like that thought never came. So yeah. I think that's how I even knew how serious it was, because it was like that I'm willing to go to these lengths, and like, because even yeah, even my siblings would make fun of me, like, because I have, I'm the youngest, so even some of them would be like, okay, you're a Christian. You're gonna be whatever because I started having conviction now where I wanted to, you know, tell the truth and stuff like that. And so I'm like, okay, you're gonna tell the truth now. Like, and yeah. it'll be like, no, I'm being serious, like this is my life. But now, fast forward, like people know me as Christian one day. But like back then, it was very foreign in that transition period of like the first two or three years where they're like, is this serious or not? Like, yeah. yeah. How uh how's the response been from your parents and your siblings since so that was a while ago when you've yeah stuck with yeah. it right how yeah. they change so i think they definitely respect it a lot so one thing that's interesting which i think now as an adult i'm gonna even it's a growth point for me to try to have more faith conversations with my father so but i will say like he's seen more intrigued like i remember when i got signed to reach he was like oh i guess i'll say god bless you <laughs> and so uh, it's even interesting because, you know, as Christians too, like once you've been in the faith for a while, there might be a season where you're like, oh, I'm tired. I don't know if I want to go to church today type stuff. And so like it'd be when I was older, maybe like 21, 
uh, and I came back home from college, he'd be like, oh, you're going to go to church this Sunday? You know, it's Sunday morning. So like, I just see that he would, he like started to be intrigued into my world. And so I think it's a very interesting complex for him because he would basically have to kind of do what I did if he wants to give his life to Jesus. He would have to kind of stick himself out and have his brothers kind of make fun of him and be like, oh, you're going to follow Jesus. Um, and so I think it's it's an internal conflict for him because I think he's starting to see kind of through my life and through my mom's life because of how faithful God has been. Like, all right, I think what you're talking about is kind of real. But I think there's an internal struggle of like, wow, I made fun of you. And my siblings are going to think I'm crazy too. So it's like, ah, especially Nigerian pride, you know about that life. So it's like, ah, like that's a lot for one person to like, you have to lay yourself down. You have to die to your flesh to, to do it. But I think now it's kind of an encouragement to me to even have those conversations with my dad. Cause I had those with normal people, like those conversations all the time, but even talking to him like, Hey, you know, like you're older, so it's okay. Like who cares what people think about you? Like at the end of the day, like you're yeah. trying to be safe. So it doesn't matter what they care if they're going to judge you. Yeah. Last thing I'll ask is this, like, if you, if there was somebody who's saying, I want to follow Jesus, I think, but I see some hardship right in the path, or I see some stuff I'm going to have to give up, and I'm just not sure it's worth it. What mm-hmm. would you say to someone who's like, why is it worth it to right. choose this path of hardships or to give up and give up your peace or stuff that's difficult for, for the sake of this? Am I really getting anything? Is it worth it? Yeah, I would definitely say 100% is worth it. Honestly, just seeing someone being able to experience life is just worth it every time. I remember in, in middle school, high school, like it was not fun in high school. Like I was like, God, I want no friends. Like, cause a lot of the Christians <laughs> were weird, bro. <laughs> I was like, God, yeah. I just want to, you know, sit with, you know, the people who have swag, you know, the cool people. But like I would get convicted and God was like, go sit by that person who's sitting by themselves and go talk to them. Mm-hmm. And they'd be weird. <laughs> and I was like, God, I'm probably. <laughs> and so, um, yeah. And even some of the friends I made over time, like I love them, but some people were really weird. Yeah. And so, yeah, like I think at the time, like your initial comfort is like, God, like, can I just be a normal kid? Like, can I just have a normal life? But it's totally worth it whenever you see people who it's like, oh, I was going to end my life. But then I got introduced to who Jesus was. Or you see people become like preachers or pastors and like it's like they were not on that path until they got introduced to who God was. So I think having an eternity is is worth it every time and like in a way that someone can understand who's not saved it's like if you saw someone who was about to die in a car crash and you saved their life like it's worth it every time if you had to be five minutes late to a meeting like it's okay so i think that's how i would put into perspective like any anything that we experience is totally worth it because even it's it's a way to get closer to jesus because you can experience what he went through like he was suffering like he wanted to be comfortable too like he's like god is there any other way but he he still did it at the end of the day. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Thank you so much. This is great. This is this is exactly it. and my, my hope is like I love I love what you're saying. I want people to see that like, yeah, there's stuff that we do we have to give up, we have to lay down when we follow Jesus. But yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it. Because of who Jesus is, what he's calling us to. So yeah, thank you so much. Amen. Thank you, Wanda. Okay. Chapter three. Alternate ending. What would your life be like if you wasn't a believer? If you didn't, you know, you start following Jesus right before college. Yeah. Really. So like what? What would your life have been like? It's strange. I don't know where I would be, but I know where I wouldn't be. Yeah. Right. So yeah. since 
going to college at the place that I did, every move that I made in my life, every like physical location move has been made based on Acts 2024. That used to be the one verse, right? You go mm -hmm. back to all my old journals that are written yeah. in pen that are unedited, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Like we talked through. And that verse is right there across the top. So yeah. after Baylor, it was no, Denton, because we're getting ready to start this church. After there, it was Atlanta. And I moved with people and friends and Christians to do what God has called us to do. And so there was this baked-in support system where whenever I had to make a major decision about my life, I was surrounded by people who wouldn't leave it up to me and my like, that's the way I feel like my selfishness and ambition has been tempered hmm. is that I've carried with me a multitude of counselors wherever I've gone. Yeah. And I think if I wasn't a believer, I don't think I would have had that yeah. foresight. So all the decisions that I passed on, yeah, I think I would have gone after them. It's like, I could have made a lot more money by choosing the... yeah career path for the major that I was in at Baylor. But the reason why after my senior year, I didn't go intern with the pro sports team after that had been the trajectory that I'd been on was because I, I worked at this Christian summer camp and yeah. I really wanted to be there that last year before I went to seminary. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. It's, following God just, Following Jesus, especially when we're young, just leads to weird decisions. <laughs> right, they right. seem they don't make no sense no. outside of it yeah. to other people. Like for me, <laughs> if I hadn't, if I hadn't trusted in Jesus when I was like fourteen, like I what think would your life, yeah, like? I think, um, yeah, I hated school at the time. First right. of all, so like I really hated school. I really hate school. Right. I, it, might, it might be hard to like wrap your mind around because I'm a learner. I like to read, sit around all these books. Right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I hated school so much. It didn't make no sense to me. Bro. Mm. I was like, why am I learning these random facts? And it could be, my wife maybe would um, chime in on this, but like when I'm just hearing words with no context, yeah, it's gibberish <laughs> to me. It's like, I don't know why you're saying this. I don't know why I should care. I know you like math, and that to me is a mental illness. <laughs> that you like math. I don't know the name of that one in particular, uh, but I hated math. I hated. I just hated school. Right. Um, so it's not like I would have been stellar and academic yet. I'm sure I would have hit some mature at some point, but I, but I definitely would have just been chasing girls. I definitely would have just. I mean, I think music still would have. I already loved music. I right. think maybe I would have. Yeah, I mean, I was already like rapping with my friends. My rap name, uh, my first rap name was Lil Will, <laughs> not creative. My second one was The Playboy, T H A P L A B O I. Mm. You know, when you, you misspell it. things, it's you more gotta, cool oh, to is. misspell. You gotta things. change it up. Yeah. Though my misspelling of the T H A, it's a lesser known misspelling. <laughs> People don't always go with that one. <laughs> it's completely unnecessary, but you know, these are the times. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but bro, I think I still would have done music, but I think it would have meant something very different. To me. Yeah, I think it would have been my way to prove my worth and mm -hmm. my value. And um, when I 
who knows what would have come of it, but it's very hard for me to imagine enduring what comes with trying to make it as an artist. Right. Um, while also basing my entire identity of who I am on that. Yeah. Because I know I would have been a disappointment because I don't know what I would have did for college. Right. Like, I would have been like some of my homies who just went even though they didn't care and failed out because yeah. they didn't care about it. Right. And weren't able to just make themselves do something just because. Right. Um, definitely would have had some kids <laughs> that I didn't mean to have. I mean, it just would have been a mess. Yeah. And, um, and when I look back at some stuff, I'm like, there's just no possible way that I would have seen the foolishness of those things right. apart from God. Mm -hmm. And and even when I think about like my health, bro. Yeah. So even if I did make it as an artist and then, you know, my health crashes. Yeah. Fam, if I had built my entire life on my success as an artist and that's what I felt gave me worth yeah. and value and I had nothing else to lean on to mm -hmm. see. Yeah, I just don't. Yeah, I, I just don't know how I would have navigated it, bro. Yeah, that's it, man. Like I do think, regardless of whatever I would accomplish, right? Yeah. Because I do think that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're diligent, hard work, and all that. Like, so you would have been accomplished. Yeah. But I do think that, um, at least for me regardless of whatever heights I soar to, I think I would be drowning in insecurity yes. because I, I would, I, it would never feel like enough. Yes. Like the things that I use to combat the insecurity that I have right now is That's right. a reminder of no, wait a minute. God is in complete control. God's in perfect control. He's orchestrated things as they are. My value is not in what I like. Like there's a way for me to, um, combat insecurity yeah. because of what God has done. That without that, it's a yeah. oh, I think I would be restless. Yeah. And even if I hit a mountaintop, I feel like I would be exhausted because I would immediately feel like, where's the other mountaintop? There's more that I have to do, and there's a just a rest, like a soul rest that comes in. Yes, yeah knowing that I am right where God would have me. That's right. And to me that the most important reality about who I am is something that cannot be taken away. Right, right, right. Cannot be shaken. Yeah. It's like, no, no matter what else is doing this, right. like my life is hidden in him and right. nothing can touch that. Right. You know what I'm saying? And that even the thing we fear most, death, mm. is the very thing that he defeated. Right, right. It's like, no, our worst fear. He beat that already. Right. And right. it's temporary for yeah. us. Yeah, it just changes everything. Yeah. Um, and what we're not trying to sell is no, if we weren't following Jesus, we would be insecure, but we're not insecure. Right. We would have troubles, but we don't have troubles. Yeah. It's I don't know how I would navigate them yeah. without God. Right. Um, I I don't know how I would like I don't I wouldn't have hope to see out of those things right. otherwise. I would yeah. be scrambling around. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um so yeah, I I uh I think there's certain things we lay down in pursuit of Jesus. Yeah. But there's just so much more that he gives back. Right. Um it's it's never a an unfair trade mm. on our side. Amen. Um yeah, and it's such a free gift. So for me, like that's part of why this was a good place 
to land the album. Yeah. Because it felt like all the other kind of ends and beginnings I talk about sit in this reality that there was an end to who I was that has a new beginning. Right. And even at the end of my life, there's another new beginning after mm-hmm. that. And that God has a, I don't know, like he don't have to play by our rules. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. everybody else except Jesus, death is the end of their biography. Mm. Every other person, they die the end. Yeah. For the Lord Jesus, uh, he got up three days later. Right. And resurrected and ascended to heaven. Yeah. And then shares that victory with his followers. He's right. like, hey, I defeat death not just for me but for you. Mm. Come follow me into this eternal victory. That's it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So for me, as part of a good place to, to land the album, mm. and I think a good place to land our conversations here too, um, that, um, yeah, the end means something different mm. in God's kingdom. Yeah. This means something completely different. Funerals aren't the end of the story in God's storybook. Mm. You know, there's a resurrection after that, this joy, this victory after that. And often on the other side of the end is where the real beauty is. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. That's dope. The End Notes Podcast is presented by Our Daily Bread's Voices Collection. And that Voices Collection is meant to share black Christian stories of faith um, through resources and conversations, all Bible-centered, to help try to make God's word understandable for everybody and accessible to everybody. So if you want to know more about Our Daily Bread's Voices Collection, you can go to experiencevoices.org.